0: Welcome to this pop-up podcast series Magic and Mayhem. Discover the secrets to creating magnificent books for kids and teens. Magic and Mayhem is a free podcast and ebook series brought to you by the Australian Writer Centre, one of the world's leading centres for writing courses. If you're interested in writing for kids and teens, join us on a journey that's set to inspire and enhance your own writing skills. Download your free ebook, Magic and Mayhem, at magicandmayhem.com.au. It's full of awesome tips and ideas and clever hacks from the authors featured in this podcast. So, download your free ebook at magicandmayhem.com.au. My name's Valerie Koo, and I'm founder of the Australian Writers Centre. This episode, we talk to Fleur Ferris. Fleur is an award winning author of young adult and middle grade novels. Before her writing career took off, Fleur worked for a number of years as a police officer and a paramedic. When I spoke to Fleur, she had just released her young adult crime thriller, Black. Since then, she's published a few more books, including Risk, Wreck, and Found. And of course, we absolutely love Fleur because she's another one of our successful graduates. Fleur completed the course How to Write for Children and Young Adults. And as she explains, she was craving the advice from industry professionals and the chance to connect with like-minded people. It's a common feeling, especially if you've been solitarily working away on a manuscript. Doing a writing course can boost your creativity and confidence, and receiving expert feedback can make all the difference to your writing process. Go to writerscentercomau slash children's author if you'd like to learn more about the online course that Fleur did with us. Now, as you'll hear, Fleur was busy writing away even when she was working as a police officer. In fact, she wrote three novels before she decided that she wanted to be a writer. No one will ever read those drafts, so she says, but they were an important part of her development as a writer. Let's have a listen to Fleur. So thanks for joining us today, Fleur. Thank you for having me. Now, very exciting because your second novel which is called Black, is being released, and your first novel is called Risk. But just uh, so there are some readers who may be new to you, can you tell us what the book is about?
1: Black or Risk? Are we talking black?
0: We're talking black.
1: Black, yes. Black is about a girl who lives in a small country town, and some of the people in the town thinks that she is cursed. So um, as a result of this, she's sort of a little bit isolated, um, from some of her friends and um, some of the families. And um, it sort of moves into bullying So for her. So it hasn't um, – it doesn't – she desperately wants to leave the town that she's living in. So, And her name is Ebony. That's why the book is called Black. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically about Ebony and um, how she deals with this curse and how that, that develops into something more.
0: So there's a bit of a mystery as to why there <clears throat> is this curse going on, right?
1: Yes, she's lost a few of her friends mm-hmm. um, over many years and they are unrelated incidents. So she um, so some people believe that she's bad luck, it's bad luck to be friends with her.
0: Yeah. Now what is the this is for young adults?
1: Yes, it is, yep. So
0: your first book was also for young adults. Just give us a quick recap on what that book was about Risk.
1: Risk was about two fifteen year old girls who go online and they meet a guy and one of them then wants to meet him in real life so she goes to meet and she doesn't come back when she says she was going to and that's where that book starts
0: yeah so there's a, there's also a bit of a mystery going on there and it's it's the the story slowly unfolds um well may not slowly unfold the story unfolds to then so that the reader discovers what in the world happened to To Sierra, yes. Okay, great. So now I understand that you have a background um, as a police officer and a paramedic. Is that right?
1: That's right, yes. Um, I was a police officer in Melbourne Uh
0: um,
1: for a number of years and worked in places like St Kilda and Brunswick out at Broadmeadows. I worked in sex offences for a period of time. Um, Did some other temporary duties such as uh, special operations and um, a little tiny bit of undercover work as well. And um, after that, I traveled for some time and then um, did paramedics over in Adelaide. So moved to South Australia.
0: Wow. So at at what point did you think, oh, I might become a writer now?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was actually writing throughout that whole time. And while I was over in Adelaide studying applied science to be a paramedic at Flinders University, I was also out at um, UniSA studying writing because I did know then that I wanted to be a writer. And I had written three novels by then. Mm. So I was tapping away at this for a long time before I even decided, yes, now I'm going to really concentrate on being a writer.
0: So you were doing it out of interest at the time.
1: Yes, and I knew that down the track it is something I wanted to do and I thought that I would, you know, put all of my energy into it at some stage. Mm. But when I was younger it just wasn't the right time for me to do that and I really enjoyed the jobs that I was doing and the travelling that um, came with it Mm. and just the experiences that I I had from those jobs were fantastic. And so I really enjoyed that and it wasn't until – I moved – once I qualified in Adelaide, I'd been there for five or six years. I then moved over back to Victoria to Mansfield mm. and um, worked in the Alpine area and that's where I resigned from but that was after I had children mm-hmm. and that's when I really thought, okay, now is the time for me mm-hmm. to concentrate on becoming a writer and and I wrote differently after that. I wrote novels thinking someone's going to read this and I'm going to submit this for um, public scrutiny basically. So – um, it was a different way of writing and a different approach what, after that.
0: Wow! So the previous one, the previous novels that you wrote were kind of like a practice run, were they? And these, and once you finally make the decision, you thought you're going to write real stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, there was never pressure on those first ones right. because I I just didn't have to let people read them. Mm-hmm. I, just, I left them in my computer, and still to this to this day, no one's ever read those books. So, it wasn't until I'd written novel number five that I thought, this is the novel I'm going to send um, and try and get an agent.
0: And so, how long ago was this decision and what did you physically do to start writing in earnest?
1: Okay, my daughter is nearly 10. So, it must have been like the decision when I thought, okay, I'm writing this book to get it published. Um may have been nine years ago right now so um, maybe eight, maybe eight years. I think I wrote another book before that, but I didn't ever send that book, that one out. So it might have been eight seven or eight years ago.
0: And at that point did you what did you do to start writing in earnest?
1: I basically wrote every chapter, mm. thinking it was for a competition.
0: Oh. And that every
1: chapter would have to be read by somebody.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. That, so that's a good it, it really, it,
1: yeah, it really changed. And because that way, every word matters. Yes. And the every paragraph, the start paragraph is essential. Then the next one, of course, because at any stage, someone will stop reading if they don't like it. Yeah. And so if it doesn't lead into the next and the next and the next, yeah. Then, so that's how I approached it. One paragraph at a time. So, and, um,
0: how did the idea for Black, your second novel, come about?
1: It had been ticking over in my head while I was writing Risk. In fact, it had been ticking over in my head for a number of years. That um, that these issues, it's an issue that I wanted to explore, mm. and um, I just find that like it was sort of a creepy. It's got a creepy element to it. Mm. And there were some incidents that occurred that just sort of cemented in my head that yes, it is an issue I want to explore, and that um, the the fanaticism in the book, the the creepy curse, and what that the power that ha- that has on those who believe in that curse, mm. or even superstitions, mm. it can affect how people behave, and can affect what people will try and do and what try and achieve, mm. and um, it can be very powerful. So. I just wanted not the not my protagonist to have that belief, but those around her, and to explore what that meant for this girl living in this little country town. Where, really, if you don't fit into your country town, you're you're very isolated. Mm. So, I grew up in a country town, and um, I certainly didn't have the experiences that my protagonist had. <laughs> but uh, thank goodness. Um, but I understand that whole mentality and and what it's what it is like living in small – you know, in a small town like that.
0: Mm. What um, – why did you choose to write for young adults? Because both Risk and Black are for young adults.
1: Yeah, it wasn't a conscious choice. The stories that came to me, the the people in the stories, were that age. Mm. So when I was in character, I guess – though I wasn't ever thinking – what would a 15-year-old girl do or what would an 18-year-old girl do for black? Mm. Um, it was this, she's, a you know, a student and this is happening, what would she do now and how would she feel now and how would that affect her and her family and friends, mm. you know, around her? So it was never a conscious choice um, that I will write young adult. It's just those the two stories that got published mm. Um, were now, of course, I understand all of that. Like you learn with every book Mm. and not just about the writing, but about the publishing and how you're branded Mm. by publishers and everything. So now I do make that conscious choice that my protagonist will be of an age that will fit beside my other books. Um, But when I started, that's just the book that got published. Sure. So
0: So how much do you draw or have you drawn on your experiences as a police officer and a paramedic in in your books?
1: In Risk, there was a lot of that Mm -hmm. because I did work in sex offences for a period of time. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And um, so I just had the confidence to do those scenes Mm -hmm. and I still have friends in the police force. So I was able to ring them and say, Um, does this still occur does that still occur what departments are now in because they change names Mm. Um, so I was able to easily access that information and have it accurate right up to the time that it was published Um, and I'd experienced so many things in that time by just experiencing people and people in a crisis Mm. and how that affects them and how they behave and um, even with the offenders, why people do what they do. And there are always reasons, even if we don't understand them, once you start investigating, it's very interesting because you start to think, okay, now I see why he did that or or she. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: even if it's not something that I would agree with or that I would do myself, um, it doesn't mean you can't understand it. Mm-hmm. And so that that is a huge thing in my novels that I would always hope to achieve that,
0: mm-hmm. that they
1: would that sort of understanding of why people are behaving the way they are.
0: Do you start off, let's say, with black? Do you start off with this uh, premise of this idea and then and then explore it or do you have to know what happens in the end before you start writing? How do you approach that uh, creatively?
1: In black, the end scene was in my mind and I had played that scene in my head like a movie um, over and over. Mm. And and every scene, all of the scenes the, where the, the big conflicts were, were very strong in my head. Mm. And so that whole novel, I didn't explore that. Even though I didn't sit down and write a plot, it was in my head very strong. Yes.
0: Um,
1: and I knew what I was writing before I started.
0: Wow.
1: And, and um, Risk was the same. It, it was a very strong plot in my head and I'd done a lot of research not necessarily to write a book at first. Mm. Um, just a few things happened in our area that scared me, so I wanted to look into it. Um, and so that, that was the same sort of thing, that it was very strong and just I could just sit down and write mm. the story as it played in my head.
0: Wow. And so when you sat down and started writing this story, did you um, did you – uh, have some idea of like uh, a word count goal you wanted to achieve each week or day or how did you get it out? Um,
1: well, I think black took me about four months mm-hmm. and I didn't have word counts per day, but I had time on the computer per day. And my daughter, my youngest was at preschool at the time, so I would drop her off. Mm. The library opened at 10, mm-hmm. so I had four hours of uninterrupted child-free time in the library Mm. and that's the time that I just sat down with no social media and just wrote. And I was able to achieve a fair bit um, in that four hours um, but with distractions and we run a farm as well. So there there was a few things that stopped me writing that and then I had to go back and start again. And I like to keep momentum um, when I start writing. Sure. Just just to start the book and finish the book without actually getting interrupted. Yeah. So, as,
0: so, yeah, tell us about your typical day then. Do you have to juggle running the farm as well?
1: Um, yes, I do. In summer, um, I manage the rice. We've, we grow rice on our farm. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of water coming onto the property. So um, from October right through till feb- late February, March mm-hmm. – um, my job would be once the kids go to, to the bus or before they go to the bus, check that we've got no major um, damage overnight or anything like that mm. and um, make sure that the water levels are where they're meant to be and rice, you know, it, just checking basically everything. And and then I come back and start. So and then the kids come home at 4 o'clock. So I check rice before and after. Yes. Uh, like two times a day. so.
0: It sounds um, – sorry, go on.
1: I was just going to say writing fits in with it. It's it's quite a, a good job um, for me as a writer and a mum mm. because everything sort of fits and works.
0: Mm. It sounds like you live in a small town.
1: I, I live um, – I'm on a rice farm, so I'm actually way out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> feels like in the middle of nowhere. Right. Um, but we, there is a community here and there's a school nearby and um, – the, the farms are relatively small, so neighbours, but there's no town as such where I live. So My closest town it's is It's smaller 70. than
0: a small town.
1: Yes, there's no shops here. Yeah, right. There's, just, there's a silo and a bulk fuel depot and a school.
0: Right, so it's um, smaller than a small town. Does you in your book you've explored, you know, a girl living in a small town, and as you say, um, you know, everyone it's it's hard because everyone you growing up in a small town. If you if everyone thinks you're cursed, then everyone knows about it. Does yeah. everyone know what you do now?
1: Well, I guess in a sense. Um,
0: do they ever think you're contact. writing about them?
1: I don't think so, no. <laughs> no, um, basically because uh, the topics I've written about have not been anything to do with being out here.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Um, where we are. I The towns that were in mind when I was writing Black were more like Mansfield, where I came from. Mm. And uh, Mount Beauty. I spent a lot of time up at Falls Creek through the winter. Right. Um, so those towns where there's water and fog, and um, because of part of the part of that book is that she's she works at a water plant. Mm. So um, it was more more of those towns that, rather than on a farm environment that she was living in. Mm-hmm.
0: And what has been the hardest aspect of writing novels?
1: I think once I wrote the novels and I got an agent, the waiting to (laughs) find out if it was going to progress. And I seemed to wait for – I seemed back then to wait for a long time. And I just feel for anybody now who is in that same boat because it feels like it will never come. Yeah. And you just have to keep going and and keep hoping that – one of your books will make it over the line. And that's that's the really hard point and that's where people will drop out mm-hmm. and think, no, I, it, it's wasting my time. I can't do this anymore and because um, you put so much into writing a book mm. and um, then to sit and wait. And it could be six months or a year. Like, risk, took 18 months
0: mm. 18 to months place. To...
1: Yeah, well, I wrote another book before that which was rejected, um, Jolted. And Jolted was the book that got my agent, got me an agent. Mm-hmm. So Risk was written after that. So Jolted went out and of course you know we did all that waiting and got rejected and then Risk went out and finally got published. So
0: And um, so how tell us about the process of getting that agent. How did you do it?
1: Okay, first of all I I got used to being critiqued and and being read by people by using an online website. Mm-hmm. Um I was also doing a course with you guys, um, which basically when you write something and you, you know that someone's going to be reading it, mm. your peers as well as your instructor, yep. it gives you confidence and lets you know where you sit. Yeah. So that gave me the confidence and the courage to actually approach an agent. And I've, I think I saw it on Twitter um, advertised that my agent that I did end up getting, mm. Tara Wynn from Curtis Brown, was at... The Write Around the Murray Festival. Mm. So, and they, she had five sessions, and there were publishers there too, um, also having sessions for pitch sessions with um, aspiring writers. Mm-hmm. And so, I applied to the festival for a session, for a thirty-minute session with Tara, oh, a yeah. one-on-one, mm-hmm. to pitch my book and myself. And so, that's where it started. I, I sent, I went, I drove over there and did the the thirty uh, thirty minute thing and um she asked to see the full manuscript at the end of that and um after that six weeks later or so she offered to represent me. Great. So it was yeah, it was fantastic. I'm actually going back to that festival this year as an author. Oh so good. Yeah.
0: And so you you did the course Writing Books for Children and Young Adults. Yes. Why why did you decide to do it and what did you get out of it?
1: I wanted to do it because when I was writing Jolted, I knew I was writing a young adult book then um, and purposely did that. So that's when I started to really write and to do that research that I was talking about earlier. Mm. And... I didn't know where I was at and so I really needed advice and um, someone in the industry to read my work and to give me feedback on my work and also the peers. And I really got a lot from that because um, the feedback was great. Actually, while I was doing that course, I think it was a five-week course or a six-week course, while I was doing that course, that's when um, I was offered representation Fantastic. So, yeah, it was that was sort of all amongst it um, and doing that course sort of put me in the right place as well to, to submit my work.
0: Gave you the confidence to submit your yeah. work. Yeah,
1: mm. yeah. And I also got feedback of what I was doing wrong. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, um, and it was just, it was excellent. Mm. So, I would recommend people do courses like that so um, they can see where they sit amongst a group of people who are all trying to, to achieve publication. So
0: what's the most rewarding thing about writing novels? If the hardest thing is the waiting, what's the thing that brings you the most joy?
1: The actual writing of the first draft. Right. It's just what I love. Yeah. I get so into the book, so into the writing, the story and the characters. And, um, I know the main plot, but the subplots all happen on the page Mm. while I'm writing. So that's really exciting to see where it develops Mm. Um, and I love the fact that it can fit in with my life. Yeah. So it's what I, it's, it's what I'm passionate about, but family, of course, I'm passionate about too. So it really works, Mm. um, for me. So,
0: so with, um, when you're writing uh, a book like this, where basically there's a mystery unfolding, and the reader needs to be taken along that journey. It's so important for the pacing to be right and, so, and also for the clues or the non-clues to be dropped into the right place. Mm. Is that something that you felt you did instinctively or after your first draft, did you have to go back and go, oh my God, that's all wrong there. And I needed to actually bring that in earlier or that's too fast or that's too slow. How did that, does that work for you?
1: Mostly the pacing comes instinctively mm. and um, I've read a lot of books and done some courses about pacing and about writing thrillers and um, so I'm aware of those things. So what I said earlier about writing every chapter as if it's going to be in a competition, mm. when I finish a chapter, I look at that and go, okay, have I, done, have I achieved what I need to achieve for the reader? Have I given them everything? Have I let them slow down where they need to, and have I made them read faster? so there's there's all these little things that I do and and make sure that there's questions at the end of every chapter. Um, mm. so and the pacing, of course, when you want them to read faster, I'm typing faster and I'm thinking <laughs> faster, and my sentences become choppier and shorter. Yes. And I think because I live and breathe that moment, that yeah. that happens naturally on the page too. Yeah. Um, and then of course it all gets pulled apart when it gets sent into my editor. <laughs>
0: um,
1: and so where I've missed the mark, that's when they come in and say, "Okay, here, here, and here, we need to edit." So, yeah. Um,
0: When you're living the moment on the page, and you, you know, and your typing gets faster, you probably get draw shorter breaths. (laughs) You're writing a thriller, and there's scary bits. Obviously, how is that for you living in a remote
1: farm? Oh, when I was writing Black, I really creeped myself out. Yeah, a certain character, and I could not write at night.
0: Oh wow! I couldn't.
1: I couldn't read my story back at night because I hated that character being in my headspace oh my um, at night time. So, so working at the library was also because of that.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And it's a beautiful, lovely, you know, space um, in daylight hours. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was fantastic to have somewhere to be to write <laughs> those scenes.
0: Jeez. So um, what's next for you? Are you writing something else already?
1: Yes, I am. I've got my next book. I won't reveal the title just because I'm not sure if it's going to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is another young adult thriller.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, so it's it's got – the difference with this one is it is from two points of view. Oh. So, yeah, we've got a like – it jumps back in time five years ago to a 14-year-old boy. And it is a current time to a 17 or 18 year old girl. Oh, wow. So, and they, yeah, it, it, the story comes together. It so.
0: sounds complex. How did these things form in your brain? How did these <laughs> ideas, you know, even get planted?
1: Oh, I have a lot of ideas <laughs> every day for different novels. And,. Some stick and some don't. Mm. So I've got two very strong novels. This one has been in my head since before I started writing black. Wow. Um, I do a program with the the local primary school and it was one of the stories that one of the children was reading to me mm. and um, it was their reader. So you listen to every child in the school read mm. and – the, the child was so into this story, and I was too. I didn't want that child to finish reading. Mm-hmm. And it sort of sparked off this idea in my head for a young adult book. This was a, a middle you know a middle grade book, mm. but, um, yeah, it sparked off an idea for me. So, um, And that just grew and grew and grew until I thought, yes, I have to write this book.
0: So, so... when an idea sparks like that, uh, it sounds like you do keep it in your head. Do you – write any of it down even if it's just formulating characters or some of their backstory or anything or do you let it brew just in your head until you're ready to write it
1: yeah it all just brews in my head
0: really I never write it down your head must be a unusual place to be a
1: busy place
0: (laughs) (laughs) so when you are brewing it is that like while you are checking the rice or while you are
1: (laughs) yeah doing lunch boxes and (laughs) in between anything else um like at the moment i'm writing this one but when i'm not writing this one i've got the next one going as well and that's very strong the next one and i'm very excited about it so i have to keep pushing that one away yeah because it's interfering with my characters in this one
0: so you the you the next one's already brewing in your head don't you feel i'm gonna forget if i don't write it down
1: no, I figure if I'm going to forget, they're not worth it. Right. So, and this is so strong, I can see the scenes. It's like I've seen a movie. Wow. And so you then play that scene over, and then the next scene will come, and the end scene might be there, um, and the the middle scenes won't be. But then by the time I've finished the one I'm writing, mm. um, they would have filled in, and it'll be away I go. So
0: when you're writing um, scary things, uh, or things that are a little bit dark, uh, especially for this age group, have you had to censor yourself or kind of go, no, I really, that's too much. I really got to pull that out.
1: Yes. There was a scene in risk that I couldn't write. I just wrote X scene Mm. and I couldn't write it because I had family around and it was a very dark scene and a very emotional scene. Mm and I needed space it was like I was like I was gonna I knew I was have to be like I was grieving and um so I basically finished the whole book Mm -hmm. and then I went to my house in Mansfield and I sat down by myself Mm -hmm. and I wrote that scene over two days
0: wow
1: where I just poured it out and um Then I got back in the car and drove home.
0: (laughs) Oh, oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay. And so what did your family think of your decision to quit paramedics and become a novelist?
1: Well, the decision to quit paramedics um, wasn't so that I would just concentrate on novel writing. Mm. When I had children, it became – too difficult to juggle babies and shift work. Yeah, right. So it would come to six o'clock when I was meant to knock off and quarter to six you would get a job that you just cannot refuse sure. and it might take you four or five hours for that job. Wow. So it was very difficult to juggle childcare mm. and my husband is also a paramedic. So two shift workers, family, just, mm. um, yeah, it was too hard. And so that's how we ended up out at having a rice farm because um, when we went from two incomes to one, mm. we thought, what else can we do here? Right. So um, I was from a farming background, mm-hmm. so that's how we ended up moving back um, out to a rice farm and and seeing how that went. So,
0: What drew you to police work in the first place?
1: I think the variety. I didn't know what I wanted to do when I left Year 12. Mm. I started a teaching degree first, mm. And after a number of months thought, no, this this isn't right for me. And then police was sort of in my mind that whole time thinking, you know, that I would like to do that. And so I thought I may as well apply and see what happens. Mm. And once I got into it um, and was accepted, it still took a year for me to actually get in because it was a slow time um, for the police department right. then when they were recruiting. And so... Um, I just worked odd jobs uh, for that year. Um, but, yeah, definitely the variety. And I really loved it when I got into for that reason. You didn't know from one day to the next what you might be doing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work was so rewarding. It was amazing. And I saw things that I had never dreamt of even existing. Um, so I really treasure those those years of of that, I guess, personal development for me, understanding the world more. Um, I was only 19 when I went in.
0: Do you think you will continue to write for young adults or do you think you will uh, try other age groups?
1: I would love to try other age groups. Um, I would love to do some books for middle grade Mm -hmm. and I have an adult book in my head but I haven't sort of thought about that Mm -hmm. because that would mean um, being published in a different department Yes. Um, even if I was with that my same publisher.
0: Yeah.
1: So, um, but I have started writing the middle grade book. Right. And I think with children the age that I have, I've got three, um, six, eight and ten, six, eight to nine, nearly ten, and um, it's just a good age for me to write those books because it's what I'm doing, what I'm living, mm. and um, it's I see what they love. Like, we've, our house is full of books for them. Mm. So, um, it's... It's like I've got research going on without even trying.
0: Yeah, sure. (laughs) Wow, that's so exciting that you are now going back to that writers' festival as an an author as opposed to, you know, going there as an attendee. That must be an amazing feeling.
1: It is because I feel that that festival is where I started. Yeah. And it's not where I started writing but it's where it was a real turning point for me. Yep. because it's where I met my agent and that's like I would never have been able to self-publish. I don't have the skills. Mm. Um, I would have had to have outsourced everything. I guess you can learn those skills mm. um, but I really admire those who can do that but I'm not one who I don't know if I would have ever gone through with it and I don't know if I would ever have had the confidence to do that. So, um, yeah, really... I really admire and respect the ones that are doing that because it's such a big deal. And after going through publishing with a traditional publisher and you see the the team behind the book and what it takes to get that book out, it mm. made me <laughs> realise even more that I lack those skills. Hmm. So,
0: What's the grandmaster's plan to like write a book a year or something like that?
1: Definitely young adult books. I'd love to write a young adult book and a middle grade book a year. Mm and the middle grade would be a smaller less words so i think my my first drafts are around 50 or 60000 yeah um and my first my my books tend to grow um in the editing phase rather than shrink <laughs> so um so yeah so i'd love to do a middle uh, one adult sorry one young adult and one middle grade mm. what,
0: so what's your advice for aspiring writers who you know, were like where you were when you went to the Writers' Festival that time when you hadn't had any representation or a book deal or anything, and they are hoping to be in a position like you are now.
1: I guess not quitting is is the first thing. Um, And once you've finished a, a book and you've submitted it to then just write the next book... So get yourself a portfolio of work mm. and do courses speak to people and follow people 's career who are doing who are already achieving what you hope to achieve mm. um, that was something that was a huge learning curve for me to follow those who were already um, getting published so Australian authors writing for the category I was aiming for right um, courses you can, you just continually. Improving your skills, like you can do so many workshops at um, writers' festivals or courses, like at the Australian Writers' Centre or um, universities or whatever's going. That mm. you always take something away from it, and it improves your work. Yeah. So.
0: And you did yeah. the course while living on the farm, right? You did the online course.
1: Yeah, I could never have done it without it being online. Mm. Not over five weeks. I could probably fit a weekend in and travel, mm-hmm. um, but just how we're set up uh, with farm and kids, it makes it really difficult. Sure. So but- the online course for me was perfect, and I was able to do it in my time, whenever I wanted, mm. whenever I could. So it wasn't it wasn't structured that I had to be there at three o'clock on a certain day or anything. Yeah. And um, and you could access all that information at any time. So I could read what the others have said and join conversations without having to be in real time with them. Mm. So and I'm still friends with the the women that I did that course with.
0: Wow.
1: And yeah, it's fantastic. So they were a huge support to me over those that time when it was taking so long and I was getting rejected <laughs> for novel number five. Right. Um it was yeah, terrific.
0: That's the instructors
1: exciting. were great too, yeah. So
0: well, All right, well, uh, Black is out, everyone. So make sure you go buy it for yourself or a young person in your life and go back to the back catalogue and uh, take a look at Fleur's first novel, Risk, as well. So thank you so much for your time today, Fleur.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Valerie. It was great to talk to you.
0: I like how Fleur said that being part of an online critiquing group and doing our course, Writing Books for Children and Young Adults, gave her the confidence in her writing that she needed. I think people are often afraid of courses or writing groups because they think the opposite, that it will destroy their confidence. They're afraid of negative criticism or bad feedback. But a good, well-disciplined writing group or course is designed to bring out the best in your writing. If you live in an isolated area, have a look at our online courses. Make sure you set your own goals and expectations so that you get the most from the experience. If you'd like to find your writing tribe, go to writerscentre.com.au and join our weekly email newsletter. That's writercentre.com.au. And if you hit reply, I really do get the message. I'm here at the other end and I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.